Ebb and flow inspires persistence and determination during the rhythmical patterns of decline and regrowth in life. Each episode, I bring on an inspiring and influential voices who are here to help us stand strong and walk through the ebb moments of life and propel us to the peak of our health, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, so we can live our life in the flow, individually and collectively. This includes strategies, habits, routines, focus tricks, questions, and much more that we can use to live our life in the best way in order to maximize our service to others. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're as excited for the Ebb and Flow podcast as I am, but to make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe now on any stream, check out YouTube, or visit SolomonEzra.com to learn more. My guest today is naturopathic doctor, Dr. Adam Rindy. During a trip to Seattle I had a couple months ago, a friend connected me with Adam and I appreciated the connection immediately. Dr. Rindy has a great story that led him to what he's helping people with today with his business, Sound Integrative Health. I had the opportunity to spend time with him hiking in Seattle and felt so grateful to learn more about the experiences he had, the lessons he learned, including on the basketball court when he used to play, and his own podcast, The One Thing and from his private practice. Professionally, he has been practicing since 2006 and specializes in restoring balance between digestive health, metabolic health, and mental health. But at Sound Integrative, they offer a host of services services from chronic conditions, specialty care, mind, brain, mood, health, hormone balancing, and nutrigenomics. During our conversation, we really cover some spiritual, psychological, and physical things because of how they're all interconnected. And many physical imbalances are manifestations of mental slash emotional stressors. At the beginning of our conversation, we talk about our Judaism and the current Hebrew month of this recording, Elul. The month is a very, very holy month, known to be an intense month in the preparation for the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Elul is the final month, a month that connects the past year with the coming year. As Adam, as you'll hear Dr. Adam mention, and if you look it up, it's known as the time that the king is in the field, emphasizing that God is readily accessible to us, willing to hear our requests and listen to our prayers. There's a lot to learn about this month, but I hope this gives a basic understanding for this whole conversation we had. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Rindy, you can check out his website, soundintegrative.com, where he has pages for his services, his podcast, and more. And he also is on social sites, uh, Dr. Period Adam Period Rindy at Insta- on Instagram. And the other sites are available on the bottom of his website. Don't forget, I have an episode called The Purpose of Ebb and Flow that has an intro you heard on this episode, as well as a short explanation of the show. Also, stick around to the end for some practical tips, including one about the vagus nerve that I answered in response to an Instagram book giveaway Dr. Rindy had, and I won. And I'd love to hear what you think about the show and and the guests, as well as the blogs I've written and more. You can head over to solomonezra.wixsite.com slash Solomon Ezra, or follow me on Instagram at King underscore Solomon 8, and Facebook Solomon Ezra Brezen. Now on to the show with Dr. Adam Rindy. Fast and furious going into Elul, you know, the energy of Elul, and um, I always feel like 
this presence of, you know, like Hashem being in the field and uh, with us, and also this kind of pressure to close some things up from the last journey around the moon, <laughs> you know, just spiritually and physically, I always just feel like I like to kind of close the books, you know, because and get completely present for Rosh Hashanah and yeah. the whole. So I'm, and I, you know, I think it's something that's just over the last five or six years. It's, I just, I don't know about you, but I just feel like coming into this part of the year, it's just really intense. Yeah. No, it seems, um, I mean, if we continue talking a little bit about the month of Elul, it's interesting how, at least in my case, before I even knew the spiritual aspect of it and how, um, let's say, you know, joyful, but also intense the month is, you know, I've had, looking back, you know, I had some wonderful uh, experiences and life-changing experiences this time of the year, years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I agree. I mean, you know, the, the process of going from Elul to Tishrei is um, very cleansing in itself in a lot of ways, you know, and I, I agree. It's the experiences of doing that. Like, I mean, I used to be a once a year Jew, right? Like I just dip my toes in the water, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur and, and, but starting each year, with the Torah and going around each month by month, um, when you get to Elul, you're you're actually ready for the intensity of the Elul to Tishrei transition. You know, before I always felt really awkward going into to um, Shul like that one time a year, um, and it just felt it felt like my body and my mind and my spirit wasn't ready for it. Looking back. Interesting. I always felt just like a little out of place and like I was, you know, just doing it for the sake of, you know, kind of guilt <laughs> more than anything. But since I've been on more of a observant path, um, I can see how the whole year is kind of leading up to this, this moment where you're trying to refine yourself and your soul to um, get to that point where you know you're re-upping for another year and so i always look at it almost like a whole kind of like a season and this is the this is the final test this is the finals <laughs> we're in final final exams right now <laughs> and it's like the so it's, um, it's really rosh hashanah would be considered the uh the test and then the days between no the that would be well, the days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur would be the, the test and the Yom Kippur would be the celebration. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and also like being on the observant path, uh, you know, I used to feel like sort of uh, before being on the observant path, I used to feel like Yom Kippur, I felt so oppressed going in and, you know, like uh, I have to kind of own up for all these terrible things I did versus on the observant path. It's actually like, Yom Kippur cool. is just like, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's like a cleanse. Yeah. 
you know, it's like a detox <laughs> versus, you know, it's like, it's actually, you've been accumulating that, that process all year long. And then that's like the cleanse. It's just, it's almost like a really just powerful, beautiful, you know, in its own way, day painful in other ways, but not like it used to be for me. It's so interesting. My, my brother just got married last Sunday and I learned oh. that. I, yeah, thank you. Well, thank him. Cool. Yeah. I, I learned that um, <laughs> I learned that in the Orthodox tradition or custom, you fast on your wedding day. And it's, it's, I don't know if it's just like, or if it's similar to actual like Yom Kippur, like your wedding day. And I found mm -hmm. that very cool. That is cool. Yeah. Wow. I think mm -hmm. my wife fasted on her our wedding day because she was nervous, not because of any, well, I'm <laughs> because sure. of any real, uh, yeah. Um, maybe, yeah the great say, sages, hey, maybe the great sages thought that. Maybe she was getting, you know, some intuition on that and we had to have to like sat her down and get her a plate because she was starting to get lightheaded. <laughs> well, Adam, let's, um, let's tie all this wonderful month of Elul and spiritual stuff into what you're practicing and what you're, you're um, um, yeah, what you're practicing in and, and how it's really all connected. And I'd love to hear a little bit more of how you got into um, naturopathic medicine and the specific, and the specific um, areas that you pretty much specialize in. So uh, I'd love okay. to hear some more. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the to understand my road to naturopathic medicine, um, I think you have to go way, way back. Um, because if I was to jump in and explain the story, it would sound really discombobulated and um, fractured, actually. Because um, I think to understand the story, you kind of have to go back to childhood. And I had a very um, fractured, stressful childhood um, and saw lots of dysfunction at a very early age. In fact, I took the um, early childhood stress test, which is kind of this um, public health test, uh, looking at um, childhood stressors and what you accumulated um, early in life. And um, I scored tremendously well on that. Um, and uh, it was, you know, one of my best test scores ever, probably. Um, and, you know, so the, it gives you a light that when I was uh, growing up, I, by the time I was 16, um, I think, you know, there were, my father had been through three divorces. My mom had been through two divorces. I had seen everything under the sun I had moved um, to, you know, by, by that time, five different states um, had seen, you know, you name it, um, the levels of dysfunction um, I saw. And um, so from a very early age, I was almost kind of living in dysfunction. I wonderful parents. Um, I don't want to give the wrong impression. They just, you know, got married very young. And um, one of my parents is a, a son of a, of a Holocaust survivor. And there was just a lot of, there was a lot of stuff. It was, it was the 70s. And there was, it was a time of exploration, but um, I saw a lot of dysfunction 
really early in my age and sort of um, became this sort of introverted, sensitive type person, very um, perceptive and acutely aware of my surroundings and of other people and the safety and whether people seemed to align with their words or not. Um, I was, became very insecure and shy and um, I was kind of like angry um, for a lot of my childhood. And uh, so I, I became sort of a, you know, immersed in this process of like how to live with this connection of having uh, a sense of not feeling very safe with myself and safe in environment. So I threw myself into my, my mom and some of the therapists that I was brought to, you know, told, you know, suggested that I throw myself into sports um, as an outlet for this kind of intensity that I was experiencing. And I did, you know, I got very involved. I, I was the most popular player on the football team because I was, I was pretty much into um, tackling people as hard as I could. And I was really intense on the basketball court. I was like stopping people uh, you know, on defense. I was very physical um, and I wasn't really having a lot of fun and interacting. I was just like pouring my emotions yeah. out on the, on the field. And so, you know, that kind of became my outlet. And um, I think the drive to in that arena, you know, eventually led to, you know, going off to college, getting involved with as a staff member on some college teams there, and eventually um, went and worked for some NBA teams. I was kind of like really there, um, giving myself a, a sort of therapy through sports. Um, and then that kind of ended and I was left with this person who, you know, that dream kind of fizzled and that kind of drive kind of fizzled. I left with like, who really am I? And I had all this kind of, um, awareness of health and dysfunction and mental health and mental dysfunction. And I was very sensitive and very aware of the environment. I was really into sociology and anthropology and cultures and, I was really into watching and observing how people function. Um, I was into fitness and health. And um, I always had kind of a, an interest in the biologic sciences. And eventually, um, after a number of soul searching processes, I um, decided I wanted to go to medical school. Um, and kind of I thought that that matched who I was as kind of being a physician, helping with the body and health. And how I went from conventional, kind of interest in conventional medicine to naturopathic is, a, is another kind of uh, part of this story. I don't know if you want to hear that transition. Well, first of all, thanks for sharing. I know that sometimes it can be uh, a lot to, um, to, to share, you know, past stories like that, but I'd, I'd love to, if you're willing to. Um, I, I find it very interesting, you know, because it's, because, you know, we can continue and, and we'll eventually, I'd love to dive into more of like the nutrition stuff and, and um, fixing and looking at the gut and all that. But um, honestly, I, I'd, I'd love to, for you to keep going because there's probably people that uh, could 
could get get some help that are at similar points that uh, if they come across this, yeah, might help. I mean, so you know, I think they call it a quarter life crisis now. <laughs> um, when you're you're like 25 to 27, it even has like a textbook name where maybe you haven't met your loved one yet, um, who you're wanting to partner with. Um, you're not quite sure if you're on a passion, of, like a path of that you're passionate about. You're actually really searching for passion. I think that's the, the common connection is that you're wanting, you're wanting to feel like a love, a joy of life in, yeah. in all ways. And so I, you know, I started looking at medicine and, um, and I knew that I had the right nature and mind to become a doctor. Um, I just didn't know where to put what type of doctor um, I wanted to be. And I started shadowing um, conventional doctors and I was in, I was living in Oakland. Um, before you I even working. went to school? Yes. Yes. Wow. Before I went to school, you know, I, I had this book that became my sort of guide to this process. It was called what color is your parachute? And I think it's like probably in its 14th or 15th print by now. It, it's a wonderful book. It takes you through a process of really getting to know who you are wow. and what kind of resources you have. What color and, is your parachute it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't recall the, the author, but um, you know, it's, it's a very common book and you know, it's, it's, at the time, you know, this was before the internet and Google and all that stuff. I mean, there so you go, you get the time? book. And you... I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, there was. No cell phones, no pagers. And, you know, so you would go to the library and I would pour through these books. And this, this was a book where you would journal and do activities. And so, yeah, so the, I started interviewing um, the different, uh, doctors and asking them if I could shadow with them and I was working at the time full time and you know just doing I had a, a, a job in sports marketing and um, I you know I was kind of going out on the side and shadowing people talking to people and so this one pediatrician in Oakland you know said yeah sure come on by and he had um, a pad of when I showed up, he was like, yeah, we'll just kind of go through the rooms. You can see what I do. We can talk between patients' visits. And and uh, he's like, all right, you ready? And so he had his um, prescription pad out in his hand, like as we were walking into each door and literally like was ready to write for scripts, you know, every, as soon as the conversation started. And I was, I was thinking, this is really strange. He doesn't really know what the problem is. And there's not much of an interview. You know, he would do a few things, a physical exam. And so we left and I was talking to him and, you know, and he was like, you know what? I, I don't even know if I would encourage anybody to go into medicine. And he was just like, it's, it's just not what it's cracked out to be. Like, you think you're going to be helping people and healing people and, you know, listening and caring. He's like, it's a model. You follow the, you follow wow. you know, the guidelines. We know, we know a handful of medications if it gets real serious, we refer them to surgeons or to other specialists. And he said, I just don't know if I, I could really endorse this profession. And I just left kind of crushed because wow. I, was, I was really inspired. And so um, at the time I was uh, working, like I said, in this sports marketing 
position and I was going to these nutrition conferences to help gain sponsorships and clients for this, this company that was selling, there was advertising for this uh, interactive exercise machine. And so um, I would go to these nutrition conferences and talk to people like Cliff Bar and Power Bar and Gatorade and you know, try to get them to become customers. And at the conferences, there were speakers and I would be able to sit and listen to these talks. And so there was one doctor, Dr. Peter Diadamo, who was speaking on um, this blood type diet. And my wife at the time was reading the blood type diet uh, book and he was speaking and this guy was so scientific. I shouldn't say this guy, he's one of my mentors um, now. Um, he was so scientific and so passionate about what he was doing and how to help with nutrition and, and disease and, and, and uh, I was deeply impressed. And then after mm -hmm. him, one of our uh, famous naturopath, Tori Hudson, was speaking on um, osteoporosis and isoflavoins and how they can help with um, improving bone density and how it decreases inflammation. And she was really passionate about, it. I walked up to her after the talk and I said, you know, can you tell me about, you know, what you do? And she's like, yeah, I'm a naturopathic physician. Um, she basically did the opposite of what this doctor had said. She says, it's the greatest profession. I, I love it. I've been doing it for a long time. Um, I get to listen to people. I get to spend and de get to know my patients. I get to spend time with them. My treatments are precise or individualized. I get to customize what I do. I don't have any, you know, kind of major guidelines um, overseeing me. Um, and she said, yeah, if you're interested, I, I really say this is a great profession to get into. Wow. And I, from that point on, I, I just was really inspired and started, I went back and got, um, went to do a pre-med post-bac um, studies, um, did all the organic chemistry, biology, chem, uh, general chem, physics, all that stuff I had to get under my belt before I could get accepted to naturopathic medical school. And uh, that kind of launched me into it. I got a, got accepted and then joined the profession back um, in 2001 and moved to Seattle to go to Bastyr University and pursue my doctorate in naturopathic medicine. And, and then, you know, the journey began. The other, the journey of journeys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's awesome. And I love when, when, uh, when you and I were on the hike uh, to Poopoo -poo Point, I'm just going to keep saying that because I love saying Poopoo -poo Point. <laughs> yes. Um, I loved you mentioned the different like curriculum that you were going through in, in school and like how you had the different like Ayurvedic courses and, and all of it. It's just yeah. very cool. Yeah. So how do you, how do you, yeah, so pick, the oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying it's that the school is um, designed to train in its purest sense, like primary care physicians that can use natural medicines. So you have to take to be to have that particular end goal. You know, you have to take a very deep eclectic coursework in natural therapeutics, nutrition, physical medicine, um, Ayurvedic medicine, other traditional medicine. 
And then you also have to have the basic sciences and the basic clinical sciences to kind of combine that and, and walk out the door ready to see patients. Um, and, and that's how the curriculum's really designed is to combine both like a traditional medical education with a deep naturopathic medication. Yeah. Um, sorry, ap, uh, education. So when you're looking with uh, clients or even kind of yourself, because uh, you were mentioning like you even kind of followed that uh, diet during school. How do you really, um, you know, like the, like the woman that they inspired you, how do you look at each, uh, how do you want to attract a client that needs your help and then pretty much uh, create a protocol based on what that individual needs? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you, you generally attract people who, you know, based on, you know, who, who you're equipped to help, you know, based on, you know, kind of your sense of feel for different yeah. conditions or clinical scenarios and what you've written about, studied, you know, blogged or spoken about at conferences. And so, um, I mean, most people who come to a naturopathic physician are looking for alternatives to conventional medicine. So you're kind of pre-selected um, based on that interest from the general public, um, or they're looking for integrative therapies or complementary therapies. So, I mean, to, to answer your second part of the question, um, I mean, so when a patient walks in the door, um, you think about them constitutionally and as an individual. So there's um, a lot that goes into that. So, you know, basically uh, um, from an Ayurvedic perspective, they're, they're looking at um, constitutionally by looking at like a tongue analysis, um, pulse analysis, body type, body morphology, and, you know, they're, they, they pull out different um, physiologic signs of a person's innate constitution. So they have this kind of uh, technology, as you will, of vata, pitta, kapha, as these kind of th three sort of uh, doshas, they call them. And um, so as a naturopath, I'm, you know, I'm not an Aryaved, but um, we do practice constitutional medicine just by innate constitution, by, um, by certain clinical questions that we ask. So their diet, their sleep patterns, their exercise patterns, their health history, um, their sensitivities to various chemicals, um, how resilient they are to illness. Um, and then by physical exam, of course, too. Um, so one of my mentors, um, Dr. Paul Anderson, you know, has helped us really see um, that, you know, people, it, it, sometimes people um, aren't able to take certain medicines that are very high force, um, intense style medicines. Um, so let's say like someone's put on like Cipro, for example, it might make them sick for weeks and um, they might need a milder kind of treatment or therapy or approach that's more gentle and progressive. Um, and then other people, if you give them a very mild treatment, it doesn't even budge them. So there's a concept in naturopathic medicine called the, um, the VIS. And this is something that 
um, naturopathic doctors work on it, um, the VEAS is kind of like the, the energy of the patient. And so people who have a very strong VEAS, which is also kind of the term is called vital force, they can generally handle quite a bit, you know, they, and they can rebound very well. People whose vital force is deficient, you have to really be careful with and, and guide them gently. And so when I'm seeing a patient, I'm thinking about what's their VEAS like? What, what's their vital force? How, how, uh, how is this treatment going to have impact on them? Is it going to barely nudge their physiology or is it going to really wipe them out? Interesting. Would so kind of um, just out of curiosity, since at the beginning, you know, we were talking about like Elul and stuff. When you look at it or talk with a patient about, you know, especially like a Jewish patient that maybe they're just feeling a lot of stress because it's the month of Elul. I mean, yeah. I, I kind of hesitate with saying that because I'm also like, it's interesting to me when, when you learn about like all the energies of the month, like I've been talking about Kabbalah and, and things in that sense. But I'm also like, why would I let a month or a time of the year dictate, control how I'm feeling or influence how yeah, I'm feeling? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, first of all, it's really rare that I get to have those kinds of conversations in my, yeah. in my clinic setting. Cause you know, I, I don't have a lot of Jewish patients um, that are on an, or on an observant path. Like it's just not something that, you know, I don't live in a, a very big Jewish area. I mean, it's, it's reasonably big, but as far as patient wise, um, but you know, when I do have those conversations, they have come up. And I think that there's, the macrocosm and the microcosm, you know, so if you believe that there's a higher power and you believe that the higher power is directing, you know, our life in, in a lot of ways. And if you understand what the higher powers kind of goals are or focus is for any particular month or time of year, and you're experiencing something that is either fighting against it or an alignment of it, you can really see dysfunction. So, you know, I think the more that we embrace what we understand or we believe is, you know, God's focus for this time of year, um, the more we'll, the, the less we'll struggle with it. You know, when I decide that I want it to be different than it is, then I see anxiety and dysfunction in myself um, or resistance. When I'm, when I'm signed up for some, you know, some belief, I say this belief because I really like to use that word versus like, I know it's this way. It's what I believe. It's what we believe. Um, it, there's no factual evidence, but it's a belief system. And, uh, you know, when, when it feels right and you feel aligned um, to that belief system, then your body and mind and your soul knows when you fight against it, your body and mind and soul feels it. Yeah. So, so on the, that's kind uh, of how I yeah. work with people in that, in that arena. So, you know, like we were talking about a especially the time, you know, I was talking to my rabbi 
the time, the 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are very, uh, the period of accounting. And he says that, you know, each, each day is like a month and you're supposed to kind of close up the year and get your balance, get things in order. Um, you know, it's like, it's almost uh, a time to do your accounting, do your books, get things right, get things tidy. Um, and 10 days. Yeah. Yeah. So like close up stuff, get ready for the, get ready for the next turn around the moon. It is cool. It's like, it's like a built-in kind of system. And uh, when I was speaking with Rabbi Friedman and listening to his different like um, uh, YouTube videos and stuff, you know, it is like you're aligning with how he has planned for like this, this time of the year or, or whatnot. It is, it is really cool. It's like, yeah, there's more to get on that conversation, but diving more into like nutrition for someone yeah. like myself that I feel like I'm pretty like experimental. I don't notice really much ever, you know, changes between, you know, eating one way versus different. Like I can observe a little bit of changes, but not so much, not so much that I'm like, okay, I got to do this or that, you know, I just pretty much will eat, you know, I, I'll say a healthy, a healthy, um, healthy foods. Um, right. How, how would you, how would you really help someone or just for someone listening, really choosing like what foods to eat? How do you look at, well, you know, where, where am I? Um, and is nutrition one of the first things to look at? Because like you were mentioning with, you know, looking at young uh, Dr. Adam Rindy, you know, he didn't necessarily need more like nutrition help, but uh, the passion and the, your interest in the different areas, um, which kind of like naturally, you know, in, in, in my case, I feel like the nutrition has been more of a, um, a supplement of sorts or a, like a key key component but not the main thing mm -hmm. yeah i mean before i go completely into the answer i will say that you know what came with my early childhood process and my young adult process is a physical manifestation of um those disorders which was digestive problems and we can talk about that later because mm -hmm. um you know early childhood stress is highly linked with irritable bowel syndrome um and you know anxiety and um, those types of conditions lead are connected deeply with digestive dysfunction. So um, I, I will like to mention that um, in a, you know if we get to that point. But the to answer your question, um, so when someone comes to me, you know they're they're generally you know let's say someone is completely well and they just want to optimize their health. Um, and they have no physical dysfunction, they feel pretty good, they just wanna make sure that they're eating properly to prevent disease. That's a whole different discussion than someone who's got some problems going on. You know, let's say someone has developed prediabetes or cholesterol issues. Um, uh, if they're having um, irritable bowel syndrome or 
Crohn's or colitis. These are all different dietary and nutritional discussions. But for the first patient, you know, or the first person who comes in and they they're doing well and they just want to optimize their health. So health. So there's there's sort of things that we look at. Like one is mental clarity. How well is that? Um, how how well are they responding to exercise? Um, uh, how much pain and inflammation are they in on a daily basis? I use this thing called the metabolic screening questionnaire um, that really assesses overall globally how someone is scoring metabolically. And it's a validated tool that really helps me see like, okay, this, this, the diet that this person on might not be optimal for them because they're, they're, they're complaining of foggy thinking or, um, anxiety or uh, skin rashes, and they just haven't tied it all together to their diet. So for that patient, like optimizing the diet really um, comes down to what makes that metabolic screening questionnaire normalize. And so for some people, um, it could be looking at a basic sort of um, Mediterranean style diet but also unpacking if there's certain foods in the Mediterranean-style diet that cause reactions or inflammation, so food intolerances, food testing. Um, some people might want to do like a vegan diet, but the vegan diet they're on might be pushing too many omega-6s, and so they're getting inflamed, so it's about eating the vegan diet more healthy. Um, other people, you know, from that kind of wellness standpoint may look at their family health history and say, you know, everybody in my family gets this pre-diabetes or diabetes really early or heart disease really early. We may look at, well, what nutritional moves can we make to prevent that from, from manifesting? And, you know, of course, nutrition is one piece of all this mind, body, sleep, stress management, um, exercise are all, things that have to be in this discussion. So that's really for person one. And so, you know, I don't, I never tell people this is the way you should eat. It's what makes your body get right. Like when you, when we try different things, what, what particular diet matches your genetics, your, your um, phenotype, your, um, your level of performance. And we, we kind of try to make that someone's true north. Yeah. So um, that can be uh, various things, um, various different elements of a diet. When it comes to dysfunction or someone who's having a specific health problem, you know, it's a different story. Like, you know, I have a lot of patients that come to me with Crohn's and colitis and um, the, the holy grail of Crohn's and colitis is, is what, what nutritional plan is going to work best for these patients because they're dealing with chronic digestive disruption, lots of inflammation, brain fog, achiness. Wow. Um, and so we, we have to understand much, much more about their nutrition. And, you know, there's some emerging nutritional diets or approaches in those conditions, like, you know, the uh, SCD diet and, you know, autoimmune paleo diet that, you know, we kind of have some roadmaps now to, to help guide people. So the, I don't know if that answered your question. But. Yeah. So the, you know, what you mentioned earlier, as well as uh, when we met about looking really at the, the physical um, manifestation of 
of the disease like you're you're you treat the the physical thing so like what you were saying how you're you had digestive issues although it you know it stems from somewhere else from some kind of experience or traumatic trauma um you still look at what what's on the apparent level and then you work work the way kind of back yeah well so you know the um na the national institute of health has a really good systems biology model um mm -hmm. now where they actually have like a a chip that they use to um, interface all the different systems of the body together. So if you put like a chemical or a medication in the digestive tract, they can watch now and see what it does in the brain. Um, it's really cool. It's it's on, you know, there's some videos you can track down on YouTube about the, the chip technology and the systems technology used at the National Institute of Health. So um, why I'm mentioning this is because, you know, in a condi condition like anxiety or stress or trauma, um, you know, it's intimately connected, connected to the gut through the great, the gut brain access. And, and so in the vagus nerve, which is something you and I talk a lot, have talked a lot about, but, um, and I won this that. is, <laughs> yeah, you won a contest that I held on the vagus nerve. So congratulations. Um, and, uh, the, the vagus nerve, um, and the system needs to be addressed. And so like if someone has anxiety and digestive issues, you have to treat both. Like, you know, if, if someone says, well, just take this uh, acid blocker for your stomach discomfort, that's gonna do nothing or very little for the, the anxiety approach or the anxiety. Um, it might help with decreasing concern of the gut problems, but so, we really have to heal systems and that's that's this approach of naturopathic functional medicine integrated medicine whatever you want to call it when we're looking at the body holistically it's it's at least in with those cases it's really interesting because you know when it comes become pretty chronic you know, it also doesn't very, it doesn't seem like a first approach to help also somebody on like the, the psychology, the psychological or spiritual aspect, like the nutrition does seem more. That's yes kind, of, no. kind of what you're, well, I mean, I find it, it's like, it's interesting that it's, I, I'm having trouble kind of phrasing it, but like, I'll have some pressure, like I think I mentioned even to you one time, like in my temple kind of area. And so it's like, well, is that maybe from, uh, oh, what's it called? Um, the the name slipped from like with coffee or whatnot. Or is it, um, you know, just gotta relax and do less kind of work and think think differently about things, maybe take some more time to to, to meditate or to be out in nature other kind of things or a little bit of all of it yeah i mean it so i think that that brings up an analogy that i like to use when someone's in my office which is you've seen like you're you're into exercise so you've seen like those wobble boards that they have at the gym you know where mm -hmm. or balance boards 
And yeah. so there's like a, a, a platform and then underneath it is like this um, fulcrum that you stand on and, you know, you try to maintain your balance. If you can get it just right, then the, you know, the, you're in balance and you don't fall off the wobble board. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, you know, the optimal thing on health is to figure out what makes you feel most balanced. You know, if you just, you feel right. I like saying right, not from a standpoint of what's right for me, but what's right for you yeah. and for each person individually. So what I, what I like to do is think about that wobble board in pieces. Like if you were to take that and make it into different pieces of the pie and let's say one slice of the pie is, um, you know, meditation or um, stress, kind of stress need, stress um, imbalances, another slice is digestive. I like to break it up in different systems. And when I'm sitting with a patient and after I've done a full analysis of hearing them for an hour, uh, physical exam, maybe some blood work, um, maybe a, a full workup, um, then I like to, to picture where that balance board is tilting, like what part of that system is, is deficient and what part of that system is holding up the rest. So like a person might be like over-exercising, um, let's say they're overweight or, you know, have gained some weight and they, but they may be, you know, kind of deficient in their nutrients and their nutrient quality. Um, but over-exercising in another area. And so we can see that where the deficiency is and help them start there. So some people, the psychology component is really where the, the need is at the, the beginning, um, the mind the mind health. So like if someone comes into my office and they just need someone to talk to, like they, they need to talk about like what's going on at home, what's going on with their relationships, what's going on with work. And it says they're talking about stuff that's cognitively driven. You know, we need to go there first. And, you know, like, even though they're like, yes, I have this digestive problem, but I have all this other stuff going on. We need to help them with their stress and balance and support, the counseling, the, all those aspects mm-hmm. and bring them back. Other patients come in and you're, you ask them, like, what's the stress level in your life? Um, and they'll say, one to two out of 10, but I still have this digestive problem. I'm like, wow, that's awesome (laughs) that your stress level is really good. Um, Let's focus on this digestive piece and get you right for yourself and get you out living your life and out of this office. And, you know, that's, that's kind of how you do it. You have to kind of move with where they are. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, Adam. It's a, uh, what was that part you, you wanted to mention a little bit earlier? I think we kind of touched on it, but. Um, no, I just, you know, I did, I think we did touch upon it. Just the fact that, you know, that, um, you know, the gut health piece has become something that I, you know, I have a, a good sense for and um, because of my own experiences with those issues and, um, you know, even going through medical school, you know, when it came to the gastroenterology course, that was the course that I sailed through in the physical um, exam 
courses and even in clinical rounds, whenever there was a digestive health issue, it just came more easy to me because I had traveled there. (laughs) You know, it's like anywhere you've traveled, and I'm not saying like just picked up a book and read about it, but if you've traveled somewhere multiple times, like you know the terrain. And that's kind of how this happened to me, Um, you know, from a very young age, um, the gut brain, gut skin access was how my stress and my, my physical imbalances manifested. It's very interesting. It's actually a great, uh, just also piece of advice, you know, look at where, where you've, you've been probably is a good idea of showing where you can be successful. Um, What kind of tests could somebody like um, listening or myself just go and get like a great analysis of, you know, like almost kind of like a full, you know, bodily systems. I've done these things. You might've heard of like um, energetic system performances, you know, based on like hair um, and saliva analysis. Mm-hmm. those are interesting themselves. yeah yeah exactly um well i think there's you know different subsets of looking at that question um so as far as nutrition um and let's say someone's generally well and they want to see you know they want to see um how their nutrition is performing um i usually recommend the um getting something called the Nutra Eval by Genova Diagnostics. Um, it's a very comprehensive test that looks at um, amino acid levels and B vitamin levels and heavy metal toxicity, um, gut dysbiosis, um, omega-3 levels. And it's, it's quite um, comprehensive as far as just looking at is, you know, am I absorbing my nutrients properly? Am I getting the right levels? Um, and do I have any dysfunctions that are blocking absorption of nutrients? And from that, it gives you kind of a roadmap of what, um, you know, what, what might be needed to address. Um, I will say it's a pile of data and like, you know, if you, if you get it, it helps to have someone walk through it with you because, um, you know, like some of the terminology and chemical names and stuff like that require you know a little bit of knowledge to to get through yeah. it and so the that's really a good basic test actually it's not basic but you know general chemistry and labs like complete blood count chem panels um, thyroid panels lipid panels that you can get from your your general physician can tell us a lot about general nutrition general health and obviously screen for disease well Adam, it's been a pleasure having you on, sharing your story and diving into, you know, we spoke about some spiritual and psychological and, of course, the nutritional components, you know, of health and how really, you know, what I love is how it's all interconnected, you know, and uh, what stays in Vegas doesn't. What happens in this Vegas (laughs) doesn't stay in Vegas. That's right. (laughs) And um, I'd love to hear just... um, Last kind of ta- uh, thoughts, um, a little bit about your, your podcast, one thing, how can people get a hold of you and, you know, what's, 
what are you, what's the intention with the one thing and what, what have you been learning um, overall through, through that wonderful uh, show? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me on. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate you and what you do. And, um, you know, when I met you up here in Seattle, um, I felt like we were kindred, kindred spirits. And, you know, I'm really excited for your future um, and think that, you know, the world's in a great place with you, you being in it. So, wow. um, yeah, I want to thank you for having me on. Thank so, you very much. Um, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, so, um, you know, as far as the One Thing podcast, you know, it's it's a tool um, and a kind of hobby of mine more than anything. Just, I, you know, I find that, um, you know, because we're so interconnected these days, I like to find people to discuss things with people who and learn from people who are you know the one thing is like people who have found like one special thing in their practice or in their life that has moved things forward you know so, so when you talk to someone who's done a lot of of one thing you know or, or they're focused or they're specialized um, in something you you hear the granular texture of those scenarios. And so the podcast is aimed to kind of connect with people who are you know, really in the trenches um, in certain areas of their life, whether it's um, digestive health, metabolic health, performance, longevity, um, uh, inflammatory autoimmune processes. Um, I just like to kind of reach out and yeah, so it's the one thing podcast and you can find it on um, with, with Dr. Adam and you can find it on all the, the yeah. you know, major podcast players. I'll put a link uh, to it. I'll, and uh, when I make the intro, I'll, I'll put that where you can get a, where everyone can get a, uh, in touch with Adam. Uh, Adam, what would you Thank say you. is the one thing, um, one thing that you find is probably like when you address this to the many clients that you've had, like one common thing that seems to, to be the, um, one of the main what uh, main things yeah i mean i think the biggest thing that shows up from you know i i consider myself more of a clinical clinical expert like you know as far as what i've done the most of is seen a lot of patients in this room you know here for years and years and years in a clinical setting and sat with you know thousands and thousands of patients and heard their stories and so the one thing that keeps coming back time and time again, regardless of what condition that I see is to, to really listen to what the patient is saying and to really listen to their story and not, and remove myself as much as possible. Um, and there is a point where I, I put myself into the, the room or and analyze, you know, and, and offer feedback, but there was a clinician when I first started that said, if you listen to your patients, they'll tell you what's wrong with them. <laughs> and I thought well, that seems really basic. And then when I started practicing, I saw how many people, how many clinicians just talk, 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 talk. They want to hear themselves talk and they don't listen. 
and patients guide you. And so the one thing I'd say that has passed the test of time is that um, the patients will guide me, will guide us um, to where we need to, to, to guide them. I love it. What would you say is one thing somebody listening could, um, could ask themselves or to do to improve their health? Yeah, so I'm really, you know, it's interesting in this time of Corona, uh, COVID-19, I, I, one thing that's really stood out for me is how important it is to give up perfection. Um, and, you know, like, we can't be perfect during this time, even if you try, it'll, it'll, you know, it's, there's just so many barriers to, you know, whatever perfect is in our mind. So what I would suggest one thing people would do is to, um, you know, to, to give up, you know, this perception of doing all things perfect to feel right and to, to whittle it down and actually remove things from the life from their life so that they're challenging themselves just enough, but not too much, you know, whether it's striving for a great yoga practice or for exercise or eating right is to whittle it down and say, you know, I don't need to be, I don't need to excel in a million different areas to, to feel whole. Um, what are, what's, what's the least amount I can do? What's the most I can do and try to meet yourself somewhere in the middle where you're challenging yourself just to, just to that next level. Um, people can create illness by trying to be perfect. I have definitely uh, my share of experience with that. We all have, um, <laughs> I think. I know I can say, you know, it's, it's something that has really been a blessing in the COVID-19 because, you know, it was like, it really uh, made, a, made a lot of us face um, certain physical boundaries that we, that weren't necessarily in front of us before yeah. and to realize that there's a sweet spot a lot of people have actually felt happier during these times than they ever have um, because there were boundaries placed on on what they could do when they when before there was no boundaries or limits and they didn't feel the edges of their their ability to uh, produce or perform yeah and i wouldn't have made it to seattle and we probably yes. been connected yeah, and it's good to be able to talk with you without a mask on for once. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Adam, it's been a pleasure. Thank you again for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Here are some practical applications. Here's a fun one. Look back at when you've had a transformative or amazing event that transpired in your life and see what time of the year that it occurred on. Maybe it was during this, this month of Elul, August to September time frame. Number two, take some time to review the previous year and all that occurred. Imagine or draw a balance board or wobble board that Adam spoke about and slice it into pieces with different areas of your life from relationships, work, religion, and spirituality, rest, health, and so on. And question whether you may be learning or where you may be leaning and how you can balance it out. Perhaps you may need a coach, a doctor, a teacher, depending on that area. Number three, since a lot of what we spoke about was nutrition and healing the gut. How is your diet and lifestyle? Journal all the things you eat throughout the day, including how it's cooked and what oil you use, and see how you can adjust it to make it healthier. Often, regular staples like oatmeal, smoothies, salads, soups, wraps, and trail mix 
can easily be changed by simply swapping out a few ingredients. Also, one of the best ways to wake up the vagus nerve is some morning, is some yoga morning and stretching, stretching the spine with a spinal wave while looking over both the left and then the right shoulders. Yep, that's how I won Adam's book giveaway contest. Thanks again for listening. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I hope this episode brought you some really great value. If you enjoyed any of these episodes or would like to hear more, please leave me a review on Apple or Anchor Podcast. I'm always looking out for topics to learn and talk about, gifts to share, and value to bring to us all. For more updates, please check out solomonezra.wixsite.com slash solomonezra. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-N-E-Z-R-A. That's where you can also sign up for newsletters, read about blogs, and hear my different podcasts. Take care.